cancer is almost a third of deaths, heart disease is almost a third of deaths. I've been to so many hospitals, talked to so many patients, I've seen so many people with multiple stents, multiple bypass surgeries, high cholesterol, heart disease, strokes, all of these things, type 2 diabetes, all over the place. You know, over 17 million people die per year of cardiovascular disease, it's the number one killer in the whole world. And yet we have this diet that has been scientifically proven to not only prevent but also even reverse in most cases this number one killer of the world. Welcome to the Vegan Manly Man Podcast. What's going on guys? My name is Jake Singer and I'm your host for the Vegan Manly Man Podcast, the show where we talk about self-growth, plant-based living, and sharing the message of love, compassion, and peace for all beings. Guys, thank you so much for being here and tuning into the show. Today's guest is an insightful and intelligent man who advocates for the vegan lifestyle by sharing the science and facts behind the plant-based diet and living a healthy life on his social media platforms. As a medical student, he takes his inside perspective from the world of doctors and educates people about common misconceptions through his knowledge and personal experiences. He is also an avid weightlifter and well-esteemed athlete winning national competitions in wrestling and jiu-jitsu and also playing semi-professional soccer in his late teens. He has spoken at events like Dublin VegFest and runs a YouTube channel where he shares health insights from a neutral, scientific-based perspective as well as vlogs and vegan topics. It is with humbleness that I welcome to the show Leo Venus. Thank you so much, Jake. It's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, I always really find it enjoyable to connect with people from all over the world who are also doing their part to share the message. So uh, again, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, man. It is it is honestly my pleasure. I've been following you on social media for a few years and uh, love what you're doing. And yeah, I agree. It's great, man. You're in, in Dublin, Ireland, and I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We got a five-hour time difference, uh, yet technology yeah. <laughs> in this current day has allowed us to connect uh in a way where we share these core common values and uh, it's, it's awesome to be able to connect with people like that from all over the world. So very cool. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Cool, man. So I like to start all of my interview shows with a really deep question. And basically what this does is it gives the listeners a chance to understand who you are, uh, basically your core values, um, so that we can really right off the bat know, okay, who's this guest? And then we're going to deconstruct how we got to that point with some questions throughout the rest of the show. So I want to start off with asking you, what is your mission statement for life? Okay, yeah, so that is a very, very deep question. <laughs> like you said, it's a, a question I feel I don't know if I can do justice, but I'll I'll try to try to come up with something. So basically for me, um, going through life, I realize that our time is limited and, you know, there's so many fun things you can do and there's so much you can focus your time and energy on doing. But in the end of the day, when I die, I want to know that I have done the least amount of unnecessary harm that I could have done to other beings and to the environment, as well as hopefully have uh, as much of an, a positive impact as I can. And, uh, you know, this ties in a lot with our values of, of uh, veganism. And, uh, you know, this is also what motivates me a lot to be so active in social media and to hit the gym hard and try to showcase that this lifestyle is not just survivable, but, you know, great to thrive on. And uh, obviously now I'm, I'm a medical student as well. So I hopefully will be able to share the more scientific aspects of of the knowledge behind veganism to make it as little um, as little intimidating as possible for people who are considering this lifestyle. I love it, man. That's great. 100%. Um, just leaving as what, what resonated with me was, you know, causing as least amount of harm as possible, but also, you know, advocating to reducing the suffering that there already is. And that mm -hmm. goes in my broad perspective um, or my broad mission is to help the world, you know, and, and, and make it a better place. And, you know, veganism is absolutely one way to do that. So I think that's great, man. And you're certainly well on your way to, um, achieving a lot of those goals. So, Oh, thank you. You know, it's just, it's just humbling when you look at how, how enormous the, the planet, the, you know, nature, the universe, all this kind of stuff. So when you look at your impact on that, it's, it's very humbling as one human being to see that, really what you do you know in terms of your achievements your your name and 
fame and all these things that a lot of people focus so much on they they really mean very little but the actual the planet the living beings that we share this existence with this life that that is the only really tangible thing that i can imagine really having an impact on and and like you said doing as little harm and trying to help the people that we get the chance to share this life with is definitely you know for me it's just a given Absolutely, man. Yeah, I think a lot of people think too much on the individual level, but it is the collective consciousness of the world that really makes you feel like you're making a difference when you see that you're a part of something so much bigger than just yourself. Um, And I do believe that one person can make a difference. But you know, when when we come together, uh, like we're doing right now, it just it enhances things tenfold and allows us to achieve many great things and really make a difference. So absolutely, I agree. Cool, man. So, you know, you come from a very diverse family and you've lived all around the world. Talk about your life growing up and the path that eventually led you to where you are today. Okay, uh, yeah, so that that's a very long story. So I'm going to try to keep it uh, as short as I can. (laughs) Uh, But basically, my mom and dad are from two different countries. My father is Norwegian. My mom is Brazilian. And so uh, actually my dad was doing a climbing tour because he used to be a climber and one of the countries he was climbing in was Brazil and they just met in Rio de Janeiro on the beach, you know, very, <laughs> wow. very uh, coincidental. And uh, he stopped his uh, climbing tour there and uh, that, that was the beginning of this family. So um, I was born in Norway. Within a month we moved to Brazil where I lived for my first seven years after which we moved to Connecticut, actually in the U.S. for one year, followed by uh, Trondheim, Norway for two years. Then it was Barcelona, Spain for five years, back to the U.S. for uh, three more years where I did high school in Texas. And then I went to Norway, did my undergraduate degree, lived there four years, and now I've been in Dublin almost four years for my medical degree. So it's been a it's been a very chaotic back and forth journey. Um, But I think, you know, just seeing different cultures, seeing different people, seeing that there's so many different ways of living kind of opens your perspective to realize that there's not just one way of doing things. And I think that open mindedness has definitely helped me embrace uh, this lifestyle that I'm on now, because as I was doing my undergraduate degree, uh, that's basically I've been vegan six years now. So that, that was during my first degree in Norway. And, you know, if I weren't open-minded enough, I I wouldn't even have considered it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I think that's one of the things that helped me have an open perspective. Now, I was was vegan before I ever started traveling. Uh, I've been vegan for six years as well. But going to different countries and seeing different cultures and, and the way people live, it does just open up your mind and in a broad sense of just knowing that, hey, there's different ways to live and there's different cultures and not everybody does yep. things the same way that you do. And I think a lot of a lot of Americans could benefit from doing more traveling because I see I see a lot of, you know, um, kind of like nationalism um, in the United States as mm. far as, you know, like thinking like we're the best. And sometimes I, I think that can lead to a lot of ignorance. And so if people were yeah. to just you know, go out and experience different cultures, I, I really do think that, that it would help open up their mind to different ways of living, such as the vegan lifestyle. So that's that's super interesting, man. I can imagine that would be hard growing up as far as trying to make friends and all that stuff. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was the worst, the worst part for sure. You know, as a kid, when you're like, oh, we're leaving my best friends again. Oh, I have to start <laughs> over again. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you get used to it, you know, and it's not, you know, everything has its pros and cons. At least, you know, I got a lot of exposure to different views and I got to learn a few languages and stuff like that. But yeah, going back and forth was not always the most fun, uh, at least not when when you hear the decision for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I'm, I'm jealous of the language part. That's something I've always been so interested in. And I've dabbled in Spanish. Um, you know, I could have a very basic conversation and understand some stuff, but definitely not to the level that I want to be. So uh, I'm, I'm jealous of definitely the whole uh, Venus family because I know I know your younger brother is a lot younger than yourself and your brother, John. But I know John is kind of within your same age range. So I imagine both yeah. you guys kind of got the same experience. So yeah very similar yeah so growing up you have this really kind of multicultural experience 
Um, and then you finally end up in Dublin where you said you were, you've been for the last four years, but you said you've been vegan for the last six. So where were you at and what was the catalyst for you becoming vegan? Yeah, so uh, you're right. Six years ago, I was in in Norway doing my uh, bachelor's degree in bioengineering. So basically, I I met someone who was just getting introduced to the whole vegan diet and introduced me to the idea. Before then, I had never heard of veganism. I had no idea what vegan was. I probably barely knew what vegetarianism was, you know, but um, I just it was never something I really looked into or read about or thought too much about. So, uh, you know, I was shown a few documentaries and when I looked at it, because like I said, I was doing my bachelor's degree in bioengineering, I was already introduced to the scientific method and uh, statistical analysis and critiquing research papers. So I was very interested in it from a science point of view. And the more I saw these documentaries going against the beliefs that I had set out from my childhood and from my cultures, I thought, well, you know, I have to check if this is true. Obviously, that's, you know, it's a big deal. So I would look through the scientific literature and the more research papers I read, the more I realized, hey, this isn't just a, a movement of tree hugging hippies that love life and love animals. And, you know, that's not to belittle anything. I think the ethical part of veganism is probably the most important part of it, in my opinion now. But going back to uh, the beginning where I was more focused on the health aspects, that was huge for me to realize that actually the scientific evidence today points towards that it isn't necessary to eat meat for protein and it isn't necessary to drink milk for calcium and fish for omega-3s and all these things that you grow up believing. So once I saw that, you know, being in a science degree, I thought, well, I guess my beliefs were wrong. And then I started changing towards what the actual knowledge of today pointed towards, which was that a whole foods plant-based diet could not just be equal, but probably even better, you know, because that's when, in, in my mind, it became an unnecessary evil. I used to think meat was a necessary evil. We had to do it to be healthy. But right. then I read the science and I changed according to it, you know. And this is one of the things I always, when I talk about, pe- one of the things a lot of people talk about veganism is that, you know, we're all biased and all this kind of thing. But I think on average, obviously everyone has a bias, but on average vegans tend to be, at least from the sole fact that they are vegan, tend to be less biased because most of us were not born vegan. So we had to right. change our core beliefs according to the evidence. And bias is, you know, the definition of bias is a prejudice for or against something that is unfair. Yet when you are backed by all the scientific knowledge and all the evidence that supports veganism, that that, that is a fair belief. Whereas people who are unwilling to change their beliefs despite the evidence being to the contrary, I think that is a, a lot more, you know, biased than than what we do. But, you know, that is not to say that vegans aren't biased. All all people have certain biases. It's just important to keep keep that in mind so that you don't become too rigid in your views. Right. So was it something that you did once you learned all this information? Did you, Was it just like overnight? You were just like, okay, like one day you were eating meat and then the next day it was like, okay, I'm vegan or... Yeah, well, basically, for for a while, I didn't really want to label myself as a vegan, uh, just because, uh, I don't know, I partly I didn't know too much about it. And also, I don't like the idea of being labeled as something else. Because a lot of times when you label yourself as okay, I'm this type of human being, people will just say, okay, you're that category of person. And I am this category of person. So we're different, you know, whatever you think and say doesn't really relate to me. But uh, yeah, you're right. I, I pretty much went overnight. But from from the beginning, I was only really looking at the health perspective. I wasn't really into the environmental and the ethical side of things. So basically, my focus was on my everyday life. I would eat whole foods, plant-based, no oils, no processed foods, no meat, no fish, no dairy, no eggs. But whenever I visited my family or if I was out on a party or any situations like that where I felt it would be impolite if somebody served me a, a dish that included animal products, I would eat whatever I got. But then that, you know, that went on for about the first year. And once that first year went by, I watched the documentary Earthlings and also started getting more into the environmental and the documentary Earthlings, I'm sure. Have, have you watched that documentary? I've watched it actually three times. Not not yeah, by okay. choice every time, but I found myself in situations where it's like, okay, to help somebody else watch it. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it with you. But uh, yeah, very powerful documentary. 
Yeah, exactly. So that was basically the one that made me uh, 100%, you know, an ethical vegan. So from that day on, I, I basically I, I identified myself as a vegan. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a great documentary because a lot of times if you tell or suggest or ask someone to watch something they want, but if you watch it with them, you know, it's more more likely that it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've, I've definitely, there's been a handful of times where I've sat down like, hey, I'll watch this with you or I'll even pay you money to watch it. You know, it's, it's just because like, <laughs> most people, I think most people are in the place where they know like deep down inside, like they, they are 100% against animal cruelty. And if they saw it, you know, it would mean that they have to make a change, which is what most people don't want to do. So exactly. Yeah. I always say that, you know, people think that vegans are different or that we operate off of a different set of values. But no, we have the same set of values as everyone else. We're just seeing things for what they are and actually connecting the dots. Because like you said, everyone is against animal cruelty. It's just that a lot of people don't want to sit down and actually see the industry for what it is and the animal cruelty that is inherent and unavoidable whenever you buy these products. Right. Yeah. It's, and it's very easy to, to say, I don't want to know and I don't want to see it because it's not well-known public information. It is, mm. you know, slaughterhouses are putting some of the, at least in the United States, they're putting, you know, some of the worst economic areas. They're, you know, hidden behind forests and trees and, and these companies, yeah. you know, market their products with pictures of happy cows and chickens and exactly yeah you know so yeah why would people talk about being misleading right yeah absolutely 100 percent. yeah people say vegans have an agenda but <laughs> exactly yeah cool so now let's talk about uh, obviously you are well now you're an avid weightlifter and you know from the introduction uh people know that that you're an athlete growing up as well during this time were you know you were motivated by health to to be vegan how was it affecting you at the time as far as um, athletic performance physique you know overall well-being what did you notice when you switched to the vegan diet mm, yeah okay uh so well basically i i always used to eat relatively healthy compared to most people luckily for me my mother was very health uh, conscious growing up so we always had a lot of veggies and fruits and we always ate a lot of legumes you know black beans in brazil is huge um so we were we didn't have the worst diet starting off um but i definitely did notice some physical changes when i went on a whole foods plant-based diet uh, in terms of weightlifting i didn't really feel much of a difference you know I, i'm not gonna stand here or or sit here and say that i suddenly felt a lot stronger or made gains a lot faster i just felt around the same but where i really really felt a huge difference was in my recovery and uh, mm -hmm. especially in terms of endurance training and uh, recovering from cardiovascular exercise because I used to actually play a lot of soccer growing up and I, I basically stopped playing soccer and training as much you know cardiovascular type training or endurance training around the time I went vegan and I started doing a lot more weightlifting and explosive exercises and Yet, I noticed the few times I actually went for endurance exercise and I went for a run, I, I noticed immediately how I would get out of breath a lot more slowly. And then whenever I stopped exercise, my breath would return to its normal rate so quickly. And it was such a big difference that I, I noticed it straight away. And I've had this experience shared to me by many other people. I have a roommate who lived with me here in Dublin as well. And I basically got him to try the plant-based diet for a few months. And we would go to these soccer games every few weeks with a class. And he told me as well, as, as soon as uh, we changed his diet, he, you know, he could just keep running and keep running and keep running. And everyone else would be getting tired throughout the, the game. And he would just keep running and just didn't feel tired. And that's probably for me uh, personally as well, the, the biggest difference I felt. Yeah. And have you researched into that and tried to understand why that is? I mean, I don't know, maybe it's a better, um, like an increase in blood flow or, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I, I know for sure, like I, for me, I definitely felt like I recovered quicker as well. Um, I'm, I'm mainly a weightlifter, mm. but I have done endurance activities. I ran the marathon, um, here in Pittsburgh last year. So I've, I've definitely oh, been wow. kind of on the full spectrum of athletics as far as, um, you know, experience, but I, I definitely noticed, uh, even a weightlifting, just 
after like a hard session, like I'm not as sore as I used to get uh, when I was eating the standard yeah. American diet. Absolutely. And that's one thing. I, that's another thing I've noticed as well. Soreness definitely has gotten better. It's it's to the point where, you know, when you're working out, or you're lifting weights, you, you really want to get sore because it's almost kind of a, that psychological, okay, I'm doing something yeah. right. I'm hitting my muscles properly. And when you start getting lesser, you're like, oh, oh, am I doing something wrong? Am I not, you know, am I not doing the right exercises? Right. I'm not going heavy enough. What's going on? But yeah, no, for sure. I've, I've noticed that as well. And the, the, I mean, like in terms of the physiological factors that contribute to this being the case there's a lot of things playing a role so like you said your blood flow can play a role but also a lot of the nutrients that you get from foods tend to have an effect on the inflammation around the body so you when you eat a lot of animal products you have your inflammatory markers go up and this is probably one of the biggest things in terms of keeping your cardiovascular or or making you more tired more quickly is just your your lungs your oxygen exchange in your lungs is limited because of that inflammation. And, you know, there's quite a few studies showing how quickly the inflammation can go down when you switch to whole foods, plant-based diets. You know, it's many things that can cause inflammation. One of the big things in meat is the endotoxins, which are toxins produced by different bacteria. And I'm sure you've heard before that a lot of these animal products inherently contain a lot of bacteria. I think it's something like most supermarkets when they do investigations, most meats are contaminated, you know, 70, 80, 90% of samples tested have some sort of bacteria, bacterial contamination. Yeah. And even when you cook a lot of these foods, you can many times kill the bacteria, but a lot of the endotoxins might still remain. So you can, you know, even measure the amount of inflammation following a meal rich in animal products where the inflammation and the endotoxins go right up and then they come down whereas with whole fat with whole plant foods that tends to not be the case and then there's also the uh you know there's a lot of nutrients that help such as um, nitrates which are found in a lot of vegetables which have a direct effect on your blood vessels by uh, causing vasodilation which is just the fancy scientific nerve uh, scientific name for making your blood vessels expand or widen and right. that improves the blood flow. That makes total sense, man. I even notice, you know, I've been guilty of eating uh, vegan junk food diets before, you know, some, sometimes mm-hmm. you just get in like a comfort mode and, you know, eat, eat a couple of pints of, you know, almond milk, Ben and Jerry's or some, you know, fake chicken nuggets or something like that. And, and I even notice uh, when I eat just strictly whole food, plant-based, how much my inflammation in my body goes down because I'm somebody mm-hmm. who has suffered, you know, with with chronic uh, like inflamed like sinuses my whole life. Like I always feel it in like my face and my head. And the more clean, whole plant based foods that I'm eating, I notice that that stuff just goes right down, and my body just feels like it's just running on at the optimal level. And and you just you feel good, you feel light, you feel like everything is just running you know, 100%. So, I mean, that that makes perfect sense as far as the anti-inflammatory properties of these plant-based foods. Yeah, no, it's so great. And I think, like you said, when you feel the difference yourself, it's it's hard to convince you otherwise, right? When people actually try this diet and they feel how much better they feel, it's it's hard to tell someone to go back to eating a way that that they know makes them feel worse. And, uh, you know, it's it's important to distinguish between vegan and whole foods, plant-based. Like you said, they're so easy, especially where you live. I'm sure, you know, Ben and Jerry's, all this kind of stuff. When I went vegan in Norway, I, I basically had no options. It was either eat <laughs> yeah. whole foods, plant-based or, or don't be vegan, you know, because we didn't have all of these alternatives. So for me, it was very easy in the beginning to, to stay whole foods, plant-based just because I had I really didn't have much of a choice. But, uh, yeah, no, it's very important to, to make that distinction to distinguish those two because you know you hear all the time on social media i tried the vegan diet and and it wasn't right for me you know a vegan diet can be a million different things it can be oreos and chips and coca-cola that's that's a vegan diet you know so it's right it's more of what you're eating than just you, you can't just lump everything together and call it the vegan diet yeah exactly i agree 100 percent and there's nothing, and I also want to make this clear for those of you who are interested in transitioning to a vegan diet. There's nothing wrong with if you're not at a place yet where you you're you know you can eat 100% whole food, um, you know plant-based sources. If you need some of these products to transition, if you're you know ethically motivated, uh, then that's fine. I I think that any any shift from 
animal-based products to plant-based products, whether they're processed or not, is is a great step forward no matter what. Obviously, ideally, you know, from a health perspective, you want to be eating whole plant-based foods. But, you know, from the yeah. ethical side of things and the envi- environmental side, you know, it, yeah, it's still better to eat, you know, chips and Ben and & Jerry's Absolutely, and, and Coca-Cola yeah. than, you know, eating chicken and eggs and, and milk, so... Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times if you're eating those, if you're not eating those alternatives, you would be eating, you know, the actual animal versions of them, which are definitely not better for you anyway. So you might as well eat the, the, the processed vegan junk food. But the, you know, like you said, it's always better for your health. And I would even argue that even if you're a purely ethical vegan, just trying to share the message, it is actually beneficial for you to be healthy because simply people will take you more seriously and will be more open towards the diet if they actually believe that the people doing it are healthy. So even if you're a purely ethical vegan, it is probably not the worst idea to try to have your health uh, check in check as well. Yeah, I agree, man. If you want to be a good advocate, you're you're somebody who has a great you know physique. Anyone that goes on Instagram can clearly see that. Uh, and that's something I strive for as well in my training. You know, I train with a purpose and that is to set an example. And it's proven itself time and time again, you know, I'm definitely, I'm the most muscular and also the leanest I've ever been in my life, you know, so it's very, Mm -hmm. uh, it's very practical to really put on lean muscle um, with this diet. And man, like, you know, I grew up chubby my whole life. And anybody who follows me on social media can see that, you know, at at one point, I was very overweight, and I made a transformation in my life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, initially, I, I just got really skinny. And then it wasn't until I was vegan and started lifting weights that I was able to put on about 20 pounds of muscle, but still keep my body fat very low. So, you know, just the physique itself that that I've benefited from, you know, from living the plant-based lifestyle, I mean, it speaks for itself. You know, obviously it, it speaks for you. It speaks for so many out there. You know, you have professional bodybuilders out there now like Nima Delgado. Um, you know, your, your brother, for example, he doesn't compete, but he's also an amazing example of somebody who has put on serious size and, and remained lean, oh, yeah, you know, from yeah. eating plants. So, yeah, no, it's great. And, uh, like you said, especially for, for me, I always, you know, a lot of people who are already in the bodybuilding uh, arena or like to lift weights are always like, yeah, it's so hard, you know, to cut. And how do you stay so lean all the time? I just say, you know, I, I, I never really cut. If I cut, I'll cut for a week or two because it's just so easy to get lean on a whole foods plant-based diet that you, you barely ever have to cut, you know, in yeah. terms of getting a lower fat percentage. If you're eating clean and you're avoiding processed foods, it, it, it is very easy to stay lean and it's very, a lot more satisfying psychologically because you do not have to undereat in terms of being hungry all the time. You know, that is one of the, the hardest things about most people who are trying to go down in a way is that they force themselves to be hungry simply because they're eating foods that have a high caloric intake and very little uh, satiety effect on your stomach. So it's, you know, there's so many benefits to it, not just health, but also looks wise. And, you know, we're human beings are kind of vain in that way. We we like to look good. You know, everybody likes (laughs) to look good. Nobody chooses, chooses to be overweight, you know, so it's, it's definitely a good, good way to set a good example. Of course. So, man, the Venus name is shaping up to be well known in the vegan movement by not only you and your brother John, but also now by uh, your little brother Andre. Um, you know what has been your personal impact on the decision for your family members to embrace this lifestyle? Hmm. Yeah. So that's always an interesting one because I always get the the hardest thing for a lot of vegans is dealing with family, and you know it's 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 easy enough to to be different from everybody else, but when it comes to criticisms and conflicts and and all these things within the family that can be difficult uh for me the journey was quite interesting uh like i said i was already uh, studying a science-based degree so i was kind of the science expert of the family so that carried a little bit of weight Uh, but basically we would just talk about it i would just share my opinions and share you know try to make my family understand why i personally was doing it in the hopes that once they completely understood why I was doing it, they would, you know, do it themselves as well. 
but I don't believe in this whole thing. You know, a lot of people ask me, yeah, were you the one who made your family go vegan? You know, and I'm just like, no, I don't make <laughs> anyone go vegan. I just right. share my opinion, share the knowledge and people make themselves, <laughs> people make themselves yeah. vegan, you know, it's right. not something that is in your responsibility to do, you know? So, um, I think it, it basically, it took around two years, I think for, for the rest of my family to go vegan. And the, I think the, the reason, because we've always been a very open family, so we have no problems talking about these things. Um, but the only problem was that I was living in Norway where, when the rest of my family was living uh, mostly in Spain at the time. So we were quite far away from each other, which is why I think it took a full two years. Yeah. And um, interestingly, though, because I was doing more of the health approach in the beginning, I actually first got my parents to go on a vegan diet from Monday to Friday, and then they would eat whatever they want on the weekends, which for me was a great, you know, kind of win. And I felt like that was a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. And then we had kind of an, a lucky, unlucky moment where my little brother was diagnosed with this autoimmune disease called vitiligo, which is where your immune system attacks the melanin or the pigment producing cells in your skin. So what ends up happening is you get these white patches that grow in different areas of your skin. Um, and at that time, I think he was 13 years or so. So, you know, this is not something that is fun to get at that age. Obviously, you're going to school and you just have these big white patches which are growing I think he had three or four on his head and face and he had two on his shoulders, one on his wow. leg. And he went to doctors and, you know, the doctors would say, yeah, we don't know what causes this. There is no treatment. And most likely that it'll just progress and they'll get bigger and bigger. And, you know, obviously nobody liked to hear that. But what we did is we found out about uh, this American doctor called uh, Dr. Joel Foreman. I don't know if you've heard about him, but he yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, so he does a lot of great work with people who suffer from autoimmune conditions and he has a lifestyle and diet program and my parents were like, well, we have nothing to lose. The doctors aren't offering any other alternatives, so let's try this out. And they put him on a, well, the diet was a vegan diet, but it wasn't just a vegan diet. It was a very, very strict anti-inflammatory diet where it was completely whole foods. There's no oil, no sugar, no uh, no gluten. There was even no mushrooms uh, or certain types of mushrooms were not allowed. It's a very, very strict diet. And sure enough, after a year of being on that diet, all of his spots on his legs, his shoulders, and all of the ones on his head and face, except one tiny white spot on the corner of his forehead, had all repigmented and regressed. So, you know, wow. once they saw that effect for themselves, you know, first person, they were seeing that change in front of their eyes. I think that was probably the most powerful a step for them to be like, well, you know, you got us convinced. We, we've seen this happening right before our eyes. And uh, that was the most powerful step for them to be convinced of the health benefits. And then also I showed them earthlings after that. And, and then they also became the ethical. They, they also made the ethical connection. So that was when basically everything came together around two years into it on my journey. They just became passionate vegans as well. And now I I can boast of being lucky enough and fortunate enough to have my all of my siblings and parents to be vegan, which is such a luxury in terms of going back home for, for example, Christmas, which will just pass, you know, all the dinners, everything is the same for everyone. So it's it's very nice. But I realize it's not a luxury uh, a lot of people have. But uh, I would just say, you know, have, have patience because sometimes it takes time. You know, for me, luckily, it took two years, but it could take 10 years. It could take 20 years, you know, just don't don't give up on people you know uh for john you know john venus my brother he was the most against veganism when i first turned vegan he was the most aggressive about it he was saying you know this is terrible you're going against our traditions you know there's just a phase you'll get over it all this kind of stuff it was very very uh, against it but now look at him he's done so much for the movement and he's super passionate about it and i'm so proud of him so don't give up on people you know, it, it, it takes, it takes time to change one's beliefs. So, uh, yeah, just be patient is what I, what I would say there. Uh, 100% agree. I've, I have a pretty similar story as far as my parents go. Um, you know, not to the extent, I, I think that story about your, your little brother is actually amazing because I'm very curious about the link and correlation between, you know, an anti-inflammatory whole foods, plant-based diet 
uh, in the relation to autoimmune diseases. I actually have a cousin mm. who suffers uh, with lupus, and okay, yeah. he has been very interested in in going vegan, and he's he's currently you know trying to make that change. And you know, if he buys in all the way and actually you know follows through. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very curious to see what the results are going to be because you know, mm. then that just goes to show, and and I've heard other stories before, but it goes to show that, you know, people suffering with these autoimmune diseases, you know, they more or less have a cure essentially, or at least can reduce their suffering. Exactly. Yeah, it's so powerful, and like like you said, you know, there's so many examples of people doing it, and for me, you know, as a medical student, it just frustrates me a lot when I go to the hospitals and I don't see any doctors promoting any any lifestyle anything like that but i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that in a in a second but yeah it's just it's one of those things where i i just really wish more people knew about it because the benefits are so great and the risks are basically non-existent the, you know the, the biggest negative that can happen the worst thing that can happen to you if you try a whole foods plant-based diet is that you don't cure your autoimmune disease but you lose some weight you get a little bit healthier otherwise that's, that's basically the worst thing that can happen. Whereas a lot of these other treatments that people go on have many different side effects and, uh, you know, a lot of risks associated to them. Not only that, but the psychological stress of being with a chronic disease where, where there's basically no hope of ever being cured and having to take medications for the rest of your life. It can be, it can be a really horrible thing. So it's, it's just, yeah, hopefully we'll get more and more people to, to be aware that there are other options as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, worst case scenario, you know, it's like even if you don't feel better, which I think you will feel better in some way or another, even if it's, it doesn't cure what you're, you know, searching for, you know, you're going to be helping reduce, you know, suffering for animals. You're going to be helping the environment for the earth. You know, you're going to, there's, exactly. there's so many other benefits. You're going to be saving like water. Like there's so many other benefits of living a vegan lifestyle beyond, beyond just health. But you know, it, it, it's amazing that you can have this diet that does, you know, have such an impact on your personal health that makes you feel good, mm -hmm. but then also gives back. And I think that's why so many vegans are so passionate about it, because there's so much to be said for living this way. It's, it's you Absolutely, know, yeah. it, it really yeah. is not a, a selfish lifestyle. I think people think that the vegans are very cocky and they want to tell everyone and think they're better. And that's not it. We just we've we've done the research and we have the experience of knowing how much good it can do not only for ourselves but for the rest of the world too. So, yeah, no, I 100% agree. It's kind of like a lucky coincidence where everything aligns. And you're just like, well, that's perfect, you know. And and like you said, the whole the whole being passionate is so understandable. I mean, what it's it's unfortunate that sometimes if you're too passionate and too aggressive, you can actually push people away. But when you look at why people are like this it makes complete sense if you have loved ones if you have family who are suffering from conditions who have heart disease who have autoimmune diseases who have diabetes obviously you want to help them as much as you can and you know people get very excited when they find out about these things also like you said the benefits to the environment and saving the animals once you find out about all these things you know your knee-jerk reaction is let's share this with everyone everybody yeah. needs to know but yep. uh you know there's a lot of social subtleties in human psychology that you learn either through experience, like like I did, <laughs> or or perhaps if you're lucky, you're already you're already pretty good in that arena beforehand. So there's definitely a lot of ways that you can more efficiently talk to people about this. For sure, I think uh, any good advocates in the vegan movement have all become uh, practical psychologists uh, by force. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so what made you decide to become a doctor? So for me, it was kind of a gradual thing, really. I, and I have a lot of classmates who always knew they wanted to be doctors or had family members, you know, parents who are doctors, that sort of thing. For me, it was, it was never really something I grew up dreaming about or really wanting to do. It was just something that kind of I fell into. Um, growing up, I guess I, I was always had an ease for picking up science and, and mathematics were always subjects that came quite naturally to me in school. And when I finished high school, I did my undergraduate degree in, in Norway, which was bioengineering. And once I finished that, I was just thinking, you know, math, science, okay, what can I do now? Medicine seems like a, a good place to go. And I was always very, very passionate about health. So it just turned out to be the most logical 
uh, direction for me to, to go. And I just applied after my bachelor's degree, applied for medicine and got in. So I just thought, oh, well, might as well go into it. And uh, well, I don't regret it at all. It's, it's a very interesting field and uh, it's very rewarding as well to deal with people and, and uh, help, help people get better in terms of their health and, and also just being in a closer relationship with your own body and understanding the inner workings of your body. I feel like if I went back to not knowing how things work and not knowing my physiology and anatomy the way I do, I'd feel very disconnected now compared to, to how I do after learning about all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like that'd be definitely very powerful, uh, learning really like the deep science behind how our bodies work. And for you, I'm sure that gives you an immense uh, sense of like, you know, eating and moving uh, with a purpose because you know how everything works. So, yeah, no, I mean, I remember uh, during my first year, we, we did all of our anatomy during first year. And in this university, we do cadaveric dissections, which <laughs> I hope I don't disgust any of your listeners. But basically, it's it's done on on deceased people who donate their bodies. And, and we we basically cut different areas of the body to see exactly what everything looks like in real life and all the muscles, wow. all the nerves, all the blood vessels, all the organs. And we learn from, you know, real life practical experience. And I remember during that first year where I, when I was learning all the muscles, all the nerves, all the blood vessels, I would go into the gym and I would hit the workout and think, okay, so right now I'm contracting this muscle, which is innervated by this nerve and the blood supply is this artery. <laughs> and it was just like, my head was going all over the place. It was, it was yeah. kind of funny, but, but yeah. <laughs> talk about mind muscle connection right <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh man so how far along are you uh as far as your medical student journey i'm actually on my my last year now so um towards the end of the summer i will probably start working as a doctor um most likely will be starting off in norway and then that is uh so basically in medicine once you finish or you graduate your medical degree, then you start specializing. So I think in the U.S. it's, it's residency, it's called. Yes. Uh, different mm -hmm. places here, it's just internship. In Norway, it's called license training. But basically, depending on what specialty you go into, it takes different amounts of time to go through that training program. For example, uh, family medicine or public health are one of the shorter ones, which luckily is what I'm more interested in. It tends to be between three and five years after med school. But when you look at things such as neurosurgery, where you're operating on people's brains, it usually takes around 12 years, at least after you're done with medical school wow. until you are fully specialized. So it can be a long journey for, for many people, you know? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, that's, but, uh, that's good to know <laughs> yeah. if you're getting your brain operated on, at least. At least that person has been going at it for a while. Yeah. 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 So along your medical journey, you know, what has been the most compelling study that you've come across on the plant-based diet? Yeah. I mean, that's such a hard question because at this point there's just, there's just such an abundance of good studies and they're just constantly coming out. And it's, you know, it's almost hard to keep up with all the good studies coming out, but I would say probably one of the, the best ones for anyone to, to look at just to get the really the practical view of the, the powerful nature of this diet is Dr. Esselstyn's study on reversal of coronary artery disease, just because it, it's, you know, it's an interventional trial. So it's a very high order of evidence. It's a very good study. And you can actually see the immense scale that we're talking about. You know, it's not just a, a relative improvement of a few percent. We're talking interventional group completely erases their their risk i think it was 0.6 percent chance of adverse effects five years uh, after joining the intervention group versus the control group which was just following the normal treatment protocol it was something like 60 i think it was 60 something percent had adverse wow. reactions so it's you know wow. it's it you don't even have to be a scientist to 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 realize how big the scale we're talking about. It's, it's, it's such a big difference. And when you see it, you see it in real people, you see the pictures, people actually reversing their cardiovascular disease. I think that's just a very, very powerful study. Wow. Yeah. I think, especially here in the States, it's very common to get, you know, bypass surgery on your heart. 
It's just seen as something that happens. It's, it's you either, you know, you either get cancer and go through chemo or you get heart disease and you, and you get bypass surgery. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's accepted. Yeah, exactly. And, and people almost think it's just part of normal aging, which is, which it is not. I mean, cancer is almost a third of deaths. Heart disease is almost a third of deaths. I've been to so many hospitals, talked to so many patients. I've seen so many people with multiple stents, multiple bypass surgeries, high cholesterol, heart disease, strokes, all of these things, type 2 diabetes, all over the place. You know, over 17 million people die per year of cardiovascular disease. It's the number one killer in the whole world. And yet we have this diet that has been scientifically proven to not only prevent, but also even reverse in most cases, this number one killer of the world. And yet a lot of people don't even know it exists. So it's, I think it's, you know, I've, I've been to uh, the Barnard Medical Center. I've worked with great scientists and doctors who have been doing this for decades. And there's no doubt that we, we have more than enough evidence. It's not a question of we need more studies or we need more science to really show and prove that the plant-based diet can work and that it can be healthy. We have more than enough evidence. Even if cardiovascular disease was the only thing that the plant-based diet did for us, that is the number one killer of the world. And that should already be enough to tell us, okay, we should be probably recommending this and and trying to follow this as much as possible. You know, like I said, I've seen so many people with heart disease in the hospitals, yet I've yet not met a single person with a protein deficiency. So it's right. just yeah. a case of marketing and, you know, the, the whole, the you know, media likes to take drama and, you know, make vegans and tradition. And it's it's just such a big mess of of uh, social dynamics that it's 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 not a science problem at this point. It's a social problem and a uh, information sharing problem. So I, I think that's the, the main issue we have today is that we just need to share the facts and get more, more and more people to actually learn about this. Not really, uh, it's not really a, a lack of study, so to say. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. And, and touching on, you know, what's being marketed out there and what people are believing, you know, the big, uh, kind of buzzword that's going around right now is the ketogenic diet and paleo diet and all that. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I hate talking about these things. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, you just hear it all the time. And even, you know, in my class, I have people who follow the, the paleo diet, which by the way, is a complete misnomer. If you look at how people were living 20 million years ago and you look at the, the paleolithic era, what most anthropologists and the anthropological data, if you look at the most reputable experts, they all agree that hunting and meat was always a very, very small portion of our diet. You know, it's there's this misconception that paleo means, you know, tons of meat and eggs and all this kind of stuff. Do you think they had chickens running around laying eggs for them all the time? No, you know, yeah. they, they call it hunter-gatherers, but much more accurately would be to call them gatherer-hunters. Most of their food was coming from knowing their environment and knowing which foods were in season, which fruits to pick, which stems were edible, the leaves, you know, the nuts, the roots, all this kind of stuff is, is where the majority of the calories came. But from, again, a social and traditional point of view, what made it to the walls were the paintings and the carvings of the great hunters who took down the mammoths and did all this kind of right. stuff. So it's always so overemphasized and it's always been assumed. A lot of people assume that this has, you know, been such a big part of these prehistoric people's lives but all the evidence we have shows the contrary that yes it was present you know it existed but it was always a very very minute part of our diet right yeah i i definitely agree with that yeah no i love talking about this with with people who do follow the paleo diet because i, I tell them listen if you, if you are truly a a paleo enthusiast your diet is almost the same as mine because the true paleo diet is probably, I would say, at least 95% vegan. Yet what yeah. people are actually, who are doing the today's paleo that are actually doing is a completely, completely different thing. That's not at all representative of what the true paleo diet would have been. Yeah, and I feel like, uh, I don't know, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I feel like the paleo diet has now transitioned into the ketogenic diet in a way. I feel like they're very closely related. And yeah. I am not, just from the little bit of study 
studies that that I've looked at. You know, I, I'm not a fan of the ketogenic diet. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. You I, have good reason not to be. Yeah, I, I just feel like our bodies are our number one fuel source. Um, you know, is the glycogen we store, and you know, from carbohydrates, our, our body takes carbohydrates and turns it into glucose, and that is the exactly. preferred energy energy system in the body. Glucose is the most readily available energy, and you know, it, our body has to work harder to convert fats into turning those turning fat yeah, you know, cells into into glucose. So, you know, from even just that perspective, it doesn't make sense to me, and and I have a very you know, basic understanding of how that works. And somebody like yourself obviously would understand that a little bit more in depth. But, you know, I talk to people and I say, hey, look, like, what are you trying to achieve through doing this diet? Well, I want to lose weight. I'm like, okay, well, you can do that, you know, eating carbohydrates, you know, like I've got in some of the, yeah. you know, my like physically like best shape I've ever been in by eating 400 grams of carbs a day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I think you're you're completely right, and and it's a classical example of the unfortunate reality of where people get the information that they use to form their opinions. Because if you're getting it from science, there is no doubt that you're you're not gonna be a fan of the ketogenic diet because th- there's no scientific evidence, there's no literature supporting any health benefits to a ketogenic diet. The only thing that I can remember reading about is that in certain cases of childhood epilepsy, they can use ketogenic diets to a benefit, but there are no health benefits to being on a ketogenic diet. And, you know, the whole craze, the whole marketing, the whole social movement of keto and everyone low carb, all this kind of stuff is basically based on, like you said, studies that are focused on weight loss. And I mean, there are some studies showing maybe lowering of cholesterol, but you know, you can lower your cholesterol just by going down in weight and even if no matter what you're eating if you're eating under eating calories you can go down in weight and lower your cholesterol by eating nothing but pure butter or oil yeah you could eat you could lose weight eating mcdonald's every day you know exactly it's it you know so that doesn't prove anything you can you can lose weight by smoking or by doing cocaine you know that doesn't mean it's good for your health so yeah, it's completely ridiculous from a scientific point of view. But again, most people do not form their opinions based on the science, unfortunately. And this is why I always talk about the hierarchy of evidence and try to teach people how to think a little bit more like a scientist because this ketogenic diet, it's basically just putting your body into starvation mode. And this is not, like you said, not the way the body was made to operate. And in terms of weight loss, yes, you can get very efficient weight loss and it's usually very short-term weight loss. Most people will have gained, regained, or even increased their weight if you look in the long term, whereas people who go on whole foods, plant-based diets tend to have long-term weight loss. Yeah, well, you heard it here, guys, from Leo Venus. You know my thoughts on it. I've posted about it before on Facebook, on Instagram. Not a fan of the ketogenic diet, um, but you heard it here as well. And guys, just have an objective viewpoint when it comes to anything that you hear, you know, buzzworthy, uh, trend words, anything like that. Don't just believe it because somebody that you follow who has, I don't know, 200,000 followers on Instagram posted about it. Go do the research because the science is out there. But unfortunately, like you said, most people will not take those steps to really look at things objectively and from a fact-based perspective. Exactly. Yeah. As a doctor, we learn about the hierarchy of evidence, which is just this quality of the evidence that we use to give our advice to patients because obviously doctors can't just be making up stuff or giving scientifically incorrect advice to their patients so we have this hierarchy which basically starts off with the lowest form of evidence or the lowest quality form of evidence at the bottom and at the top you have the biggest or the best quality forms of evidence such as meta-analyses and systematic reviews but just so you know and to the people who are listening here the lowest ranking form of evidence in the hierarchy of evidence is, I feel like I've been saying evidence too many times here, (laughs) (laughs) but the lowest ranking form is actually expert opinion. So whenever you hear someone say, even if it is an expert, even if it is a nutritionist or a doctor, that is the lowest form of evidence. So if you really want to actually have a grasp on something or become knowledgeable in a certain field or topic, you have to look for better quality evidence and this is not just 
the higher quality studies such as prospective cohort studies, randomized controlled trials, meta-analyses and systematic reviews, but it's also the big organizations in the world that actually compile all the evidence because obviously one study is never enough to prove anything. You know, you, ha you have these right. study warriors on the internet that just link this study and then link that study and they're throwing studies at each other saying that this study proves this. No, one study by itself is never proof of anything. For anything to be approaching what the scientific community would consider to be factual information, that notion or topic that you're talking about has to have undergone multiple high quality studies by many different organizations, independent organizations coming to the same conclusion. So when you start having multiple examples of high quality studies coming to the same conclusions again and again, that's when you start saying, okay, this is becoming, you know, facts rather than, then, oh, this is interesting, you know? So it's, it's kind of, there's a lot more to it. A lot of people just don't have the whole picture and uh, you always see people being so passionate and being so strongly opinionated about things that they know very, very little about. And I think that is because most people do not quite understand this. I, I, or maybe I, what I'm trying to say is I think there would be a huge benefit to teaching more people how to use this hierarchy of evidence because it's it's just the the best way to keep your opinions science-based and, and correct rather than uh, emotional and uh, you know based on rumors and 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 opinions so I, I just think it's you know it's something that should be taught even in middle school and stuff like that because it's just yeah so important for for preventing people being extremely strongly opinionated by things that are unfortunately completely incorrect. Yeah, agreed. And especially now uh, with new generations coming up in the age of information where we literally have so much information at our fingertips, which is not all scientifically sound. I agree with you. It should be taught. So uh, definitely well said. It's difficult for people looking at this, like you said, this overflow of information because obviously there's a lot of industry funded studies going on that try to confuse and paint a, a very strange picture. And it takes a lot of time and effort for you to go through every single study and, and read which are the good studies, which are the bad studies, and get a, a kind of a complete view of the studies. Because like I said, every topic in nutrition probably has many studies about that topic. So for you to get a complete uh, rational opinion based on the entire picture surrounding that topic, that requires a lot of time and it requires a lot of knowledge about how studies are, are, are performed and, and, you know, the statistics involved and all that kind of stuff. So it's difficult. And, and that's why I think the big organizations have a responsibility to be more factual and less industry driven in their advice. And the example I always like to give to people is, for example, when the International Agency for Research on Cancer with the WHO released their report on the carcinogenic nature of meat, that took over 820 studies with, I think it was 22 of the leading experts compiling wow. all of that evidence together before coming to the conclusion and releasing their report classifying red meats as a class 2A carcinogen, meaning they probably cause cancer, and then processed meats as a type 1 carcinogen, meaning it definitely causes cancer in humans. So it's not you know enough to just find one study and be like, oh, there we yeah. go, that's the study that proves this. You know, it's... it's <laughs> yeah unfortunately a lot more complicated than that wow eight over 800 i didn't know that that's pretty wild yeah no so it's a lot of work yeah definitely definitely well i want to shift here to talk about uh kind of some of the vegan activism that you do you have your own youtube channel uh you've spoken at you know events like uh veg fest dublin um and you're definitely active on social media you know, how has that helped um, with you spreading your message and how has that kind of implicated itself into your life and, and everything that you do? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's it's always just been kind of, uh, I feel uh, almost a responsibility to just share the knowledge I have and, and social media is absolutely great for that. You know, it's just kind of what we were talking about earlier, how you can connect people from any corner of the world. And as long as you have a message and you have a voice, you can reach out and, and reach people and, and share share your views. And I think social media is absolutely one of the great hopes 
for the future is this kind of connectedness that comes through the internet and social media is a part of that, obviously, and getting people to become more and more together and more and more connected. Because like I said, when I traveled around the world and you see how people live in different ways and you become more open-minded to different cultures, different mindsets, and you, you just learn to be more accepting and uh, less arrogant, if you, if you will. And um, I, I truly believe that, you know, traveling, they say traveling is the cure to ignorance. And I think, you know, social media is kind of almost, uh, and the internet is almost a way to bypass that uh, physical traveling that you have to travel somewhere to see. Nowadays, you can connect with people from all over the world, from from your chair or your couch or your bed, you know. So it's, it's definitely a great luxury, which I think is going to have a huge impact on the world going forward. And... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm lucky to have this option, you know, because not that long ago, nobody had cell phones or, or social media or internet or YouTube. So it's absolutely a luxury to have. And uh, I'm just happy that I can I can use these platforms to to share what I've learned, because I, I feel there's so mu- many benefits that people could enjoy because of these things. Yeah, I agree 100 percent, man. I've I've only benefited from social media. You know, I think there's definitely a lot of downfalls to it and shortcomings but there's also Mm -hmm. so many amazing things and it's it's a tool it's how you use it it's like money um you know and i think that some people can use the internet to put themselves in echo chambers and just surround themselves with people who have the same thoughts and opinions and just you know uh satisfy their ego but if you really use the internet as a tool to want to better yourself and understand a broader perspective of the world you know yeah um Go follow people who are, you know, in a different culture or, you know, I, I don't want to say speak a different language if you can't understand them, but, you know, are, are just different in some way to be able to connect with mm-hmm. them. I mean, you know, even just us having this conversation right now, you know, obviously you're you're halfway across the world and, yeah. you know, we're, we're connected by, a, you know, a common underlying value of, of being vegan but, you know, all it takes is, you know, a simple message of saying, you know, hey, let's connect. And, you know, from there, that'll open you up to other doors and other pathways and more people to meet and, and different ideas. And even if you are brought together by a common thing, that doesn't mean that you can't learn something else from somebody, you know, because we're all unique individuals. So I agree 100 percent that yeah. social media is such a powerful tool. And, you know, if you have a positive message to to share and you feel like you have, you know, an obligation guys like get active and and post online and and share your message and even if you don't think that you're making a difference if you if you change one person's perspective, you know, that's a win because that person may go on to inspire 100 people and those 100 people may go on to inspire 1000 people. So, you never know, mm-hmm. you know, the power of planting seeds is is incredible and and it is such an opportunity now with the internet and social media to do that on a grand scale. Absolutely. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. It's uh can't really add too much to that. Cool, man. So what is next for you in your life? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's so many things I would like to do and so many projects I have in mind, but I mean, the very first thing is to start working and start paying off my debts. <laughs> but, uh, so, so uh, like I said, I'll probably be going to Norway uh, to start my intern or residency and, and start working there. But obviously, uh, I'll, I'll start thinking towards the future and thinking of other projects that I can have and how I can uh, maximize my, my impact on, on the vegan movement and, and use my expertise and my knowledge there. So there's a lot of things I have in mind, but for now it's basically, you know, start working, become a specialist and then we'll, we'll take it from there. But, um, yeah, I think it's just gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be great. There's a lot of exciting times ahead of us and I I only see veganism going one way and that's up and it's going to be really fun to see how that develops over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely, man. I could definitely see you being the next, uh, you know, plant-based uh, celebrity doctor, you know, in all the documentaries and everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try my very best. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, Leo, where can people reach you at if they want to connect with you? So, uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, just at Leo Venus underscore, and then YouTube is just Leo Venus. So, my name. Um, Actually, funny thing, the Venus name is something 
John actually made made up because it's more international. Our name is very unpronounceable and not very international. It has some letters that only exist in the Norwegian alphabet. So we we made Venus the the international name. Um, oh, but yeah, nice. so Instagram Leo Venus underscore YouTube Leo Venus. That's the two main social media platforms I'm on. Actually, I'm also on Facebook recently, also Leo Venus. But uh, yeah, that's basically where you can find me, and uh, I try to respond to as many people as possible. So feel free to to uh, shoot me a message as well if you're interested in, in asking me anything or or just having a chat. Awesome, and guys, I will link uh, all that information in the show notes um, if you can't remember or you're not good at spelling. Um, so check that out in the show notes uh, if you want to connect <laughs> with Leo. Man, thank you so much for being on the show. It it truly was an honor, and it was so amazing to hear your insight and and some of the scientific perspective, you know, uh, behind what you do as as not only a medical student but uh, you know a vegan activist as well, and somebody who's active in this community of spreading this message. And um, yeah, and I hope the listeners got some some value and, and inspiration out of this as well. So uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been a great pleasure, and uh, I always just feel a little bit weird in terms of, you know, it's uh, it's always focused on myself. I feel like I'm always talking, but I would have liked to <laughs> ask you some more questions as well. But obviously, <laughs> this in this podcast, it's it's more in the other direction. But you know, it's been a great talk. I, it's been a great pleasure to meet you, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll stay in touch. And uh, who knows, maybe do this again in the future. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that, man. All right. Talk soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed the content of this episode and found value in the message, please share with a family member, a friend, a loved one, anyone you think would also resonate with this message. If you guys like the show, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. It helps spread the message as far as it possibly can go. And if you guys want to stay updated with me, what I'm doing, and also have a chance to win some prizes, some giveaways, and hear about some exclusive offers, go to my website, www.theveganmanlyman.com, and sign up for my newsletter. My name is Jake Singer, and this is the Vegan Manly Man Podcast.